0: The following podcast belongs in a museum, along with spoilers for the movie Indiana Jones and something, something, I don't know. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most bastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Craig, and this week's movie is 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So ba wong pai feng cai ni a shu zhiong. And let's get diabolical. Anybody like to take a stab at what ba wong pai feng sai, Need ni da shu means?
1: Anything goes, or let's get diabolical?
0: It means put an ace up your sleeve. Ah. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. As this week's host, I'm chairing the panel of Peril, who will compete against me at the close of the show to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week and become this week's most diabolical. When I say your name, please say hello, or some variation on the same. Joining me are Adam. Hello. Gareth. Oi oi. And Lord Mankey Supreme. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Wait a minute. Isn't it manly? It says mankey here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Typo. Minus one point off a leaderboard for Craig there. Just a typo. (laughs) The Indiana Jones series is known for its classy dissolves from the famous Paramount Studios logo to a vista or similarly shaped object in the opening shot of each film. So we can get to know each other a bit better, please share with us what's your favourite example of a film that plays with the studio's usual ident, either orally or visually. Let's start with Lord Manley.
2: Mine is probably the same as Turner's or his backup, and it's the Simpsons movie with uh, Ralph singing along to 20th Century Fox.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is my backup. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> yes. Well, then, all right, then. So, since we've uh, found that out, I think we should go to the turn next and find out.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that was my backup just in case somebody said my actual favorite, and my favorite is a musical dissolve which goes from the 20th century Fox music. The opening credits of Alien 3, it goes... So you might say Du-du-du-du, Du-du-du-du. Du-du, du-du.
0: Yeah, it changes the final note, doesn't it? And it's,
1: I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's a good one. Oh, so good.
0: Gareth? That's uh, the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> without ceremony it is the matrix good day sir
2: he's a real showman
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's where the wb logo turns green and it like has that shimmer effect that the building has when the helicopter crashes yeah
0: it's it. really cool as for me my favorite example of a film intro messing with the studio ident is the universal logo that seamlessly becomes first a satellite image and then a crane shot during the intro to the burbs It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. It's kind of the reverse of what they do in Serenity. So they go into the planet and uh, then into the town where the burbs is set kind of seamlessly, and it's really cool. Time now to delve into this week's film and its year of release. In World Events of 1984, on July 14th, New Zealand Prime Minister Rob Muldoon calls a snap election and is defeated by opposition Labour leader David Lang. Clever girl. (laughs) On August 5th, noted Welsh actor Richard Burton died. And on August 16th, John DeLorean is acquitted of all eight charges of possessing and distributing cocaine. Where he was going, he didn't need roads or rails. 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom acts as a prequel to series debut Raiders of the Lost Ark, reuniting collaborators George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who were keen to take the series in a different direction. The pair aimed to strike a darker tone, reflecting their shared mood in the wake of their recent divorce, and opted to follow a pre-war indie in order to avoid reusing the Nazis as villains. Initially planning an adventure in China that would see Dr. Jones riding a motorcycle along the Great Wall, and recovering an artefact linked to the Monkey King, the duo had to rethink when Chinese authorities denied them permission to shoot on location in the country. Other scrapped ideas included the discovery of a lost world of dinosaurs and a Scottish haunted castle, both of which would later be revisited by Spielberg. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the second highest grossing film of 1984, hit to the post by Ghostbusters and followed closely by the Spielberg produced Gremlins. 1984 also saw the release of treasure-hunting romantic comedy, Romancing the Stone. So, what did the panel of peril make of this week's movie? Let's start with Gaz.
3: Well, it's not without its faults, but it's always been my favourite indie film, and it still is. I mean, it's obviously, it's it's like a white saviour storyline, which I guess most of them are in fairness. Mm. But, you know, for all its faults, I think... For me, it embodies the adventurous spirit of Indy the most, particularly the cult temple underground. For me, is just absolutely iconic, and the minecart chase out of it. Uh, those are my favourite sequences in the four Indiana Jones films. So,
0: yeah, I love it. That minecart chase was uh, planned for Raiders, and they had to drop it. It had too many set pieces in it, so they just kind of shelved it and brought it back out when they needed to do something else. But it fits into the storyline of Temple of Doom so well.
2: It's so good. They probably built the storyline around the minecart. Chase had a thought.
0: Yeah, possibly. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's amazing. And I couldn't think now where that might go in Raiders.
0: Yeah, it's tough to figure out, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But the screenwriters Willard Hike and Gloria Katz had an interest in India and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg knew that and that's why they were brought on.
2: I just heard you say there, you said an interest in India. I thought you said an interesting India, like a pun with idea and Indiana Jones. An interesting India. Wow, (laughs) I'm going to use that later. (laughs) I was like, wait, what's going on?
0: Had to reprocess it. You just grab a pen. (laughs) I haven't got a pen. I'll remember it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very elaborate bit. (laughs) India. Yeah. There we go. That might come up later. Uh, Any other? Thoughts uh, on the on the film in general, Ben?
2: I really enjoyed it. It's the one I've seen the least. Well, except for Crystal Skull, but let's not talk about that one.
1: No, let's erase that from our memories.
2: Of the three, it's the one I've seen the least. My favourite is still Last Crusade. Mm. I love it. I think I love it just because Sean Connery's so great in it. But Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was the most... You mentioned it being kind of dark. I felt it was the most cartoony of the three.
0: Mm. Yeah. Apparently they felt like they had earned that right. They wanted to do more silly 1930s serial humour and they felt the darker elements allowed them to have those moments. Yeah. So obviously there is a lot of darkness in it. Children being kidnapped.
3: Whipped mercilessly. Yeah. Hearts being ripped out, but they're still alive somehow. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, the whole tone of the the film is just so different from Raiders and... Last
3: Crusade, I think. Yeah,
0: it is. Obviously, Last Crusade serves as a, a much closer sequel to Raiders. It's Nazis again. Yeah, and yeah, Sean Connery, James Bond as Indiana Jones' dad, obviously perfect, but he brings a lot of humor to it as well. Yeah, I love the the bit when he's on the on the tail gun on the biplane and he he shoots through the.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's great. Just his face is like, oh,
3: he doesn't tell him or anything.
0: <laughs> he, he says, "Son." They got us. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
3: so the rewatch of
2: Doom hasn't changed my ranking, really. Yeah. But before, in in my mind, it was a lot lower than Raiders. Yeah. But now I'd say it's very close to Raiders. I did enjoy it.
0: That was my hope. I hoped that it would be the one you'd seen the least, because I think in history it's been seen as the kind of run of the, the trilogy, and uh, it deserves... Reevaluation, even if it's not your favorite the fact that it's uh gone up in your estimation i think is, is really cool adam what are, what are your general thoughts on the movie
1: the first thing i well i had two notes but i put harrison ford bond question mark mm-hmm. because i think that first scene really is just awesome yeah and it just and it's kind of like a statement of intent saying you think james you know you say like this is the James Bond, every movie people want to see kind of thing and sets him yeah. up. And I just think, oh, he would have made a brilliant Bond. But yeah, it's the film, conversely to what LMS has just said, it's the film I've seen the most out of the indie films. Mm. Yeah, really? Um, yeah, I, I must have seen it probably every time it was on the TV when I was a kid. I just remember it being on constantly, mm. all yes. the time, and my memories of it are crystal clear still i remember it every pretty much every scene just watch it over again it's been a long time since i've seen it but yeah i i love it it probably is my favorite really but it has it's got that nostalgic and sentimental value that only seeing a film as a kid and keep watching it throughout your life has but the the question that i thought and i think this is what uh, we've i think we've talked about it in the past a little bit but what's Kate Capshaw really annoying or was she just working with
3: what she got? She's just the wrong side of annoying for me. <laughs> it's a notch too far for me. Yeah, You think like five in the middle of being annoying so that it's amusing. She's she's like a 5.5. She's just slightly <laughs> too far for my taste. It is Willie,
0: though. It's not Kate Capshaw. Yeah. So they discussed that quite a lot in the making of...
3: There is a way of playing it just that half notch down there where it's not quite so grating, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. But she said she just enjoyed taking on that character. And, you know, obviously Spielberg later married her and he said, yeah, she's the complete opposite of that. I wouldn't have been interested in that. She's not spoiled. She's a feminist. Mm. You know, she was doing, she'd just done a PhD before they did the movie. She wanted to do more serious artsy films, but obviously when the opportunity to do something like a blockbuster with Spielberg came along, she knew that it would raise her profile and, and did it for that reason. But yeah, I think she just ended up getting a bit carried away.
3: Well, if you're going to take Spielberg's word for it, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> I can say he's going to defend his
1: still wife now, isn't he? Really, and I, I think I looked through her career afterwards. and thought, well, has she, she been given a fair crack? What has she done? And she, she hasn't really done anything of particular note since then, to be honest. So, trophy wife,
2: controversial
1: that? Yeah, but I, I, I don't I think I think that's probably a bit unfair. But I just—I would. I'm joking. I'm joking. But she hasn't done. I don't think as an actress, you know, if if people thought, oh, she was good in that, let's let's put her in some other films, and they've gone, nah,
3: basically. That's the usual thought process in Hollywood, isn't it? She was good. Let's put her in some more films.
1: Yeah, people like her. Let's have some more of her. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's one way of looking at it. Pass the ball to him and then score a goal. (laughs)
2: Shit. <laughs> she started off really annoying. I think if her art could have come started maybe a bit sooner or, or just I don't know, you maybe seen it start a bit sooner and then be more gradual, it'd have been okay. Because mm. I did like the scene where they were camping out in the jungle, mm. short round in India. I forget they're playing cards maybe. Yeah. And uh it just goes, you know, think about her, it's just all the noise and she just Bumping into bats and screaming. Yeah. I thought that was quite amusing. That scene, I, I like that, and especially the uh, the turn at the end when there's a snake and you see Indy. It's his turn to uh, to be frightened, and she she kind of doesn't even realize.
0: Apparently, Spielberg had to teach her how to scream famously among the crew when she started. She was useless at screaming. I
3: don't think I could do it if if you had told me right do a really good scream. I'd be like, Ugh. yeah.
1: Let's pretend you've just seen a, a... You've opened up your knickers and it's actually a vampire
3: bat. What? Go on, go. Uh, I'm not doing it. There's a dog downstairs. A very jumpy dog. <laughs> 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 it's
2: pretty good. That is good. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Definitely edit it out, though, because that is going to make people's ears bleed. <laughs> I really enjoyed it opening with a musical number, and I, I didn't remember that at all. But then when I saw Indy f- fling a flaming skewer into a guy's chest, yeah, I, I thought, that. whoa, wait oh, a minute. man. Yeah.
3: What's, what's <laughs> going on? Oh, this yes. is the Indy I remember. Yeah. Hyper violent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how telegraphed it is as well. Like he leans back <laughs> and they're just laughing.
1: <laughs> He's not going to kebab me. <laughs> Skewered by my own petard.
2: <laughs>
0: that whole sequence is incredible. When he hides behind the gong and the machine guns making the rhythmic noise on it, it's great. Yeah.
2: yeah, But this film is the reason PG-13 was created, right? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Because it was really violent.
0: Yeah, so um, it it didn't get an R and it got mm. a PG, but they were still worried about it, so Spielberg rang up the head of the MPAA and said, why don't you just create a, a ranking between PG and An R.
2: Because if you got an R, obviously it wouldn't have caught the audience.
0: Yeah. It had already secured a PG, but I think he understood their concerns. And like I said, they said that they deliberately set out to make it a bit darker. So he wanted to sort of meet them halfway. And it was the first time in something like 80 years that they created a new rating in uh, American.
1: The violence is quite up close and personal, isn't it? And like you say, it's darker. A lot of it is like pulling hearts, grabbing people and throwing them off
3: stuff. The guy in the, the stone press that just gets squished is pretty bad, and then you see the big roll of blood coming out the other side. Yeah.
0: Poor
1: old Pat Roche. He's in Raiders as well, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's the guy who gets knocked into the propeller. How does he die in Last Crusade? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm not even sure if he's in Crystal Skull.
1: I think he was dead. He died in
0: yeah, 2004, yeah. was it? I think He wasn't in the Alphides in Pet Revival, was he? He'd already died by then.
1: He was in Willow as well as General Curly Kale.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Mm, the old favourite willow. One very comedic bit of violence that I jotted down, which I loved, is when Indy first gets into the slave mine with the kids. I don't think you see him, that he's there, but you just kind of know. This slaver, you like see a fist punch him in the face, and he hits the deck, and he slides about 30 feet across <laughs> <That's> the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's insane. <laughs> I was howling. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a hell of a punch. <laughs> and a big, a big pile of muck piles up behind him as
1: he punches him as well, as he skids across the floor, loads of mud piles up behind him. Like,
0: <laughs> on, man. Yeah, I think that's an example of the sort of 30s serial silly humour that they were hoping that they could incorporate more of if the film was darker. I think if you'd had that kind of stuff in Raiders, people wouldn't have been ready for it. Yeah,
2: didn't, yeah, too much, maybe.
0: Yeah, it creeps in a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Obviously, famously, the the scene where the guy swings the sword and he shoots him instead of fighting him. Yeah. Obviously, Harrison Ford wasn't able to do the fight. He had the squits. <laughs> but I think that, that set the tone really well.
1: But they, at the end, they get that, don't they, as well? They they do a similar scene at the end, don't they, where the two guys confront him with the swords and do that, and he goes to grab his gun, and it's not there, is it's it? It's not there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of like, ha-ha, you're not doing it this time.
0: Yeah.
3: So-and-so. Ooh. How many times do you reckon that moment's been stolen in total? Because it happens in Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah the guy with the swords and then Batman just beats him in the face. There must be loads of examples of Nick in that.
2: But I wonder if that was, from, if that was Nick for anything before anyway. Yeah. Could have been. Oh, it could Maybe be. possibly. Yeah. I was wondering, this is a prequel? Yeah. Are there any famous examples of a prequel before this?
0: Yeah, there are. I looked that up. Was it a prequel or
1: was, um, when was Raiders set? Because the Nazis were around.
0: My memory of it is when the VHS box set trilogy came out, there was no mention of the fact that it was a prequel prior to that. But that's when they renamed Raiders, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark to make the series all you know, look the same in, in the box set. And I think that's the first time they'd ever said it was a prequel in my memory.
3: Well, it, it's dated, isn't it? At the start, it says 1936, which would predate World War II. Yeah,
0: which is before Raiders, yeah. 30,
3: 35, isn't it? 35, is it? I've never understood the purpose of it being a prequel, though, because it, it, neither film impacts each other. So what purpose does it serve? Just saying the Nazis aren't here or what? They just didn't want the Nazis involved, right?
0: Yeah. I guess they're just saying it would have been unusual for Indy having dealt with the arc to then have a little flip off to China to to do whatever he was doing there. It's
1: kind of like the Temple of Doom, though, is like happenstance, isn't it? You know, he's not, they're just going, oh. The-. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Last Crusade, are oh, like, they go and do that. It's like, right, we're going to do this. Whereas he just happens to fall out of plane and that's it. And it's like, oh, you're going to come here. And then he goes, right, I'll take up this quest now and try and restore the stone to your village.
0: Yeah. But everything I've read recently, it does suggest that they, they always meant it to be a prequel. And one of the things they wanted to do was bring Marion back but have Abner in it, who is her father who was already dead when Raiders started. And okay. Yeah. It's legitimately always was a prequel, but I just <laughs> I think they never made that clear or never spoke about it until they released those special edition VHS box sets. Mm.
2: Speaking of the plane Turner, I finally got your joke from the first episode.
0: Oh, the Laoshe one.
2: The Laoche joke.
0: Yeah.
3: I don't remember the joke, what was the
2: joke? He's talking about the the suicide bombing plane. And he says, that as they take off, a sticker peels off, and underneath it says "Lao All oh, right, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's the deal with Dan Aykroyd, by the way? Then, so is he in on it? And what's the deal with Dan Aykroyd?
3: <laughs> Have you heard about this? Have you seen this?
0: <laughs> Are we is he meant to be in on that, or is he just some hapless buffoon who? just happens to throw his pal, Dr. Jones, onto a, a death plane.
3: Was that Dan Aykroyd, was it?
0: Yeah, that's Dan yeah. Aykroyd, yeah. For like one
1: scene? He's just a, a dude at the airport, is And I think...
3: Oh, I didn't realise. Is he uncredited?
0: No, I think he isn't. I think he's credited.
3: Is he? I wrote down that he sounds exactly like Michael Palin.
0: Ah. He's doing his best, Palin.
1: <laughs> well, the more you know. He's just trying to get him on a flight, and then uh, Lauché introduces one of his planes and says oh yeah you can stick him on here if you want and the guy doesn't know any different
0: <laughs> clever old lauché
2: what do you guys think of the lava effect i was really impressed i thought they looked amazing yeah they're awesome yeah
3: yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. they're not realistic but they're they're super cool they're, they're even yeah rare. the
3: swirl yeah.
2: it just yeah looks amazing I think
1: quite a lot of the stuff stood up really well over time hmm. really the only thing I didn't like is when the plane crashes and it was like it like skips and it seems to be like dropped down a bit and I was like
0: that's a bad composite terrible optical effect yeah
1: that was bloody awful <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: that I might yeah. I don't say it in the making of but they do talk about the bridge when he cuts the bridge with the sword that bridge yeah. was made with steel cable So to do it, they had to make dummies that moved when they fell. So they were like motorized dummies. Mm. And they had to blow the bridge with explosive. They only had one chance to do it because they would never be able to construct it again. And uh, the guy who did it, he said, "Um, I don't know what we would have done if it had gone wrong. I guess it would have had to have been an ILM effect. And I bet they tried to do a proper explosion with that plane and it fucked up. And that's why it's got that terrible composite chop Mm. it's bloody awful the thing with the chop in that bridge is
3: that sword looks blunt as fuck it's just boiling every time he touches it it's nuts (laughs) lucky it didn't just bounce back into his own head (laughs) so i was blunt it just gave him a bruise
0: (laughs) true one thing that this reminded me of uh even more than bond i don't know if you guys have ever read any or watched the animated series but or the movie that spielberg did but it was like really tinting for me I used to really love the animated series of Tintin, and uh, you know, Tintin would always be off on adventures and getting into scrapes that he was never meant to be involved in. Especially the start of it, like the the big diamond and the the classic sort of Chinese villains, or it's really mm. made me feel like I was in that sort of Hergé world.
1: Can we talk about the um, palace dinner scene? <laughs> yeah, I, I would argue that's probably like. You know, Raiders of Lost Ark with the, the big uh, ball in when he takes the, the idol off the thing. That's the iconic scene from that. I'd say the iconic scene from this film is that dinner scene, arguably.
0: Yeah, or the minecart mm. scene. Yeah, that, the minecart, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I think mean, if you said to say to a lot of people who've seen the movie, what's what's the standout scene from that? It's one, one of those two, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a toss-up between that and... It's really good, isn't it? The way it's, it, but it's a similar to way like we were talking about the the campfire scene earlier with playing cards and then other stuff going on uh, around it, and it's a similar kind of thing, isn't it? They've got all this yeah. horrendous food coming out, and then
0: yeah,
1: Indy is having a very sort of frank and serious conversation about the the plot, and you sort of have to concentrate. So while all this craziness is going on with all these weird food, and you're, you're grossing out and stuff, yeah, but then he's talking more about that, so. I just thought it was a really great scene and obviously it's the the food and everything is uh, still absolutely rank.
3: Well, I've written down the list. You've got snake surprise, scarab beetles, mm. eyeball soup and chilled monkey brains mm. and then I've put are these things that Indians really eat or is this a bit racist?
0: Uh the second <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: that's what i thought the whole way through it's like
2: what do they it fuck? hasn't stood up well that that is very, very naughty
0: i don't think it's meant to be indian food so spielberg the brainstorm he had is he wanted to think of all the worst things that you could eat but i don't think it's meant to be this is what indian food is like i think it's meant to be this is what an evil cult that's brainwashed would eat i don't think it's meant to be indian food
2: I don't think India took it that way because wasn't Spielberg banned from entering India's borders for a long time? Was <laughs> he? Really? <laughs> really? <Wow>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they said the film was incredibly racist.
0: That's crazy.
1: I just think um, it was a very entirely uncultured, uncultured time. And I think that's probably a lot of people would, that kind of scene has a negative impact on people's perceptions of how other people in other countries live and
2: eat. Yeah, there was a few bits, like the uh, prince or the Maharaja, the little boy, he's using a voodoo doll at the end. That's like famously a Caribbean thing. Yeah, I know, yeah, that uh, struck me as odd. Yeah. There was a lot of weird cultural appropriation. It comes out of nowhere
1: as well, because he goes, "What well, he's there? He goes, I'll come over here and then get your little thing out and dangle it over the fire. I was like,
3: oh, that was a
1: bit odd. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I suppose the the priest does look kind of like a voodoo priest if you had to equate it yeah
1: yeah but he is i think they use the word like um they they use shaman in you know because he could be seen as like a voodoo shaman but i think shaman can be used across different religions and cults and faiths or whatever you want to
0: call it the psychic surgery stuff is not indian folklore either is it it's uh I think that's more associated with, you know, when you pretend to pull someone's heart out and all that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably meant to just be like a, a mishmash of half-remembered 1930s serial tropes than anything yeah. linked to the country it's in. Probably if they, if it had been set in China, it would have had all the same shit in it, and it would have just been...
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think any... I don't think they went out the way to offend
2: anybody. Yeah, I just did not think it aged that, that well, that part.
0: No, no.
1: Oh, yeah, but, I mean, it, it's it says at the start, when I started watching it on Now TV... And it said, "Start this." You know, mm. you get that warning now on some of the films. That's the first time I've seen. Oh, it, Royal, it Oh, did it? Oh, didn't have it on Prime. It says um, it contains um, opinions and depictions that don't align with modern perceptions and stuff. So yeah, I knew straight away. Anyway, it's like when, as soon as the character of Willie's introduced, you're like, "Okay, there'll be a lot of people not very happy with that." But it's like everything. Every times move along, but you still got to appreciate sort of if you look at a film. Out of context, a lot of them don't make any sense and you probably won't enjoy them as much. But then if you just put yourself back a little bit, and as long as they're not like grossly racist or
3: misogynistic or looking to
1: to deliberately upset people at the time, then then it's fine, I think.
3: Turner, we all know you're a big fan of Birth of a Nation, so don't try and deny it. Birth of what now?
2: <laughs> Is that a copy of Mein Camp on your shelf, behind You Turner? I... This, I <laughs> Where's these shelves?
0: <laughs> In addition to the inner scene that we just spoke about and the minecart scene, obviously this film has one other very iconic set piece, which is the spike chamber. Such a great scene! Yes, the Resident
3: Evil Four chamber.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think it's incredible how when it's um, for comedy reset for the second time when Willie bumps into the switch accidentally. <laughs> that
3: that is funny. Yeah,
0: the escape. And Harrison Ford going back for his hat looks so dangerous. It looks like he's seconds yeah. away from having mm. his arm crushed there. Yeah, that's good. I
3: mean, imagine it's made of polystyrene. <laughs> He'd just go, eh, with the, eh. <laughs> 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 Yeah,
1: when, when he's doing it, it's like, oh, God, and he sticks his hand back through there, and then it just shuts. I was thinking, is that going to rattle around a bit? But it doesn't, it just goes, bonk. Yeah.
0: I was like, oh, that's
1: good. That's Because I was thinking maybe it'll... There'll be something in there, a little tell that it's not quite rock or
3: something. Fits flush. That's craftsmanship. Yes.
2: Yeah, the tension inside was brilliant. And the the addition of the bugs as well just ratcheted up the tension that little bit more. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Really
0: yeah. Wanting to do something really different from snakes, which is why they had all the bugs. And mm. one thing about Kate Capture, you were asking earlier, is she annoying in real life? Well, she didn't read the script properly and didn't know that she was going to have to interact with, with snakes. And she's. Like Indiana Jones is, she has quite a phobia of snakes. There's a scene that they just didn't film where she was meant to be attacked by a snake in water. So to make up for it, when Spielberg told her that there was a scene where she was going to be covered in bugs, which she also didn't know about, she was like, oh, okay, I'll be game for that. Which is why uh, she's, she does get, you know, absolutely covered in them and puts her hand in there and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and
2: so there's some biggies as well.
0: Then to make up for it, they had a rubber snake for the campfire scene and she said, give me the real snake. And that was her <sighs> olive branch to him. And I think uh, that's probably why they ended up uh, getting close. Happily married. Yeah. Wow. You
1: can tell... Um, when when she's reaching her hand in to grab the lever and the, the things are crawling, you can just tell it's like a mannequin going...
0: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah it's very clear. <laughs> that w shot. Yeah, that's yeah. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even she had her limit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where the name Indiana Jones comes from? The dog. Yeah, he names himself Indiana after the dog. Mm. That's George Lucas's dog. And the idea of Han Solo and Chewbacca is about George Lucas riding in his car with his dog in the passenger seat. I wanted to do like a sci-fi version of that. So Indiana Jones is named after George Lucas's dog. Willie Scott is named after Steven Spielberg's dog, Willie. And Short Round was the dog of screenwriters Will Pike and Gloria Katz. So they're all named after dogs. uh, That's one bit of triv I never knew uh, before I started looking into this. It
2: is a bit of cheeky triv then, since we're triv it up. Triv, triv. Anyone know the name of the club in the opening scene? club everyone there you go <laughs> that was named after george lucas's first cat is that right no
3: <laughs> <laughs> everyone
0: <laughs>
1: i thought the the chemistry between harrison ford and key who is it keehee kwan as short keehee kwan phenomenal
0: yeah i love him i think that he yeah. has replaced Keanu Reeves in my actor that I just love and can't not love.
3: Have we all seen that photo of him and Harrison yeah. Ford hugging recently? <laughs> if they don't put him in this new Indiana Jones film, they're missing a fucking trip. You yeah. said he isn't in it, but they need to film something extra with him in it. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It'd be daft not to.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree because his career is on an upward curve now.
0: Yeah, he's, he's actually a wonderful actor. Yeah.
1: The way cinema is at the moment, everybody, you know... They, seems like all the producers and directors and writers and stuff keep putting something nostalgic into their scripts, especially if it's a franchise. They go back, don't they? So they'd really be missing a trick to not have him in it.
0: It's not always for the best the member berries, but <laughs> to not have Kihi Kwan in the, what was likely to be the final ever Indiana Jones movie would be mm. just wrong.
1: But he's such a beloved character, isn't he? Yeah. He's not just like... Taking a lot of the producers and stuff do the taste, they take an element and just bring it back and just go, Oh, people love that because it was in the original film 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Right? Yeah. Whereas he is such an I you know, I wouldn't say iconic, but beloved character. And people no, I think he is iconic. And yeah, yeah. But after that film, people I was like, I remember watching The Last Crusade for the first time when I was a kid. I was thinking, where's Short Round? What's happened to him? He didn't, yeah. you know, and mm. I wanna know. Yeah. I want to know yeah. what happened to him still. Yeah. So I think they've got to fulfill that.
0: And he could do so much now. He was a good child actor, but as an adult actor, they could give him so much to do and he would nail it.
3: Yeah. Do you know in Everything Everywhere All At Once, the, um, the one car y type sequences where he's in the um, the tuxedo? Yeah. That's how I'd like Short Round to be. I'd like him to be grown up and like sophisticated.
0: Yeah, it would be amazing.
3: If I had my druthers, that's what I would do.
1: <laughs> yeah he saves he saves indy in that film quite a few times as well doesn't he and i'd love for him to come yeah. back and do exactly the same in a new film yeah and just to be be the
2: guy who who takes care of indy essentially passes him his zimmer frame feeds him his food come on indy just one more <laughs> bite mops up his chin <laughs> Oh, here, open
1: open wide for the airplane <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'd be cool to see him pass the torch the series lends itself you can have standalone entries so there are so many more mythical artifacts that could be explored in that series it'd be great to just have a, a short round trilogy and see them going yeah. off and doing the stuff they never did in indie like Atlantis they always talked about doing mm. short round of the fate
2: of Atlantis yeah why not <laughs>
0: Okay, so I was trying to think of uh, a game and I've had a, an interesting India for what we could... Uh... Uh, <laughs> hey. did, you, did you
3: come up with that on the spot? Oh, that's a pun. <laughs> the good thing about it is you don't have to explain it. Yeah. It's <laughs> obvious what it is.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Okay, it's time for our returning popular segment. Two trues and a fakey. As ever, (laughs) I'll tell you three facts related to this week's movie, two of which will be true and the other will be false. This week, I'll tell you three episode titles from the spin-off TV series The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Two of these are real episode titles and one has been made up by me. All you need to do is tell me which one you think is the Fugazi and you can ask me for a brief synopsis of the plot to help you. We've got number one, Young Indiana Jones and the Attack of the Hawk Men. Number two, Young Indiana Jones and the Mystery of the Blues. Or number three, Young Indiana Jones and the Phantom of the Safari. Which one of those do you think is the the one that I've made up? And feel free to ask me what happens in them. Well, I think Mystery of the Blues is a real one.
3: Yeah, I do too. To start.
1: I think that's quite a, a blandly named one. So I'm going to call that as the Red Herring...
3: No, I think he'll be meeting a real blues
0: figure. I'd like a synopsis of the Hawkmen. Well, a synopsis of the Hawkmen or a synopsis of the blues?
1: Let's have a synopsis of all of them, please. Okay. Oh, i going to take all fucking day. <laughs> That's what editing's for.
0: Young Emile Jones and the attack of the Hawkmen. Indy joins the French Air Force and is shot down by the Red Baron. He becomes a spy and he learns that the Germans have a shell-proof tank. So he tries to get a famous Dutch aircraft engineer named Fokker to defect.
3: <laughs> that sounds real to me because it did employ lots of real historical figures that series didn't it yes
2: but that's what Craig wants you to think look okay, him <laughs> look him <laughs> it's is real
0: hey. it's real real okay Young Indiana Jones and the Mystery of the Blues Indy teams up with Elliot Ness and Ernest Hemingway to solve the murder of a well-known restaurateur in 1920s Chicago and comes across Al Capone and jazz great Sidney Boucher and in Young Indiana Jones and the Phantom of the Safari Reunited with his old friend, Ernest Hemingway, and on safari in Southeast Africa, Indy encounters famous explorers Howard Carter and Nellie Bly. He and Hemingway reluctantly accept an invitation to join Colonel Percy Fawcett on safari, where they are warned by locals to beware of shitani vengeful spirits of folklore.
3: I think that's the fake one, because you said he's reunited with Ernest Hemingway, so that would imply that the mystery of the blues is the real one.
0: Oh. Interesting. I'm
2: going to stick with Mystery of the Blues as as the fakie. I'm going to go with that one too, because I don't think Hemingway was in Chicago in the 20s.
0: Bit of artistic license, maybe.
2: What's the fricking answer, dude?
0: (laughs) Guys, are you sticking with Young Ineer Jones and the Phantom Safari? Yes, that's, that's my fake answer. Well, I think two of you have clearly never seen Harrison Ford in his old man cardigan with his trumpet in... Indiana Jones and the Mystery of the Blues, which is a real episode. Ah, is that that one? Uh, uh, the, the correct uh, false episode is Young Indiana Jones and the Phantom of the Safari. Um, well done Gaz?
1: Power, Power of the Cardigan.
0: <laughs> I cleverly thought about Phantom of the Opera and what are some other web browsers like Opera and Safari is another web browser. So <laughs> very good, very good. Not like the Firefox. I thought about how can I make fire. I thought it'd be too obvious. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, well done. Okay, we've talked about our favourite scenes. Does anybody have any favourite lines of dialogue from the movie?
3: I do! <laughs>
0: that was it, right? That's when he goes to the palace and the guy is like... <laughs> I do! <laughs> okay, so uh,
3: <laughs> my, my first line is... Uh, it's not particularly the line, it's the way that Harrison Ford delivers it. It's in the spike chamber when uh, Willie is refusing to to grab the lever and he just goes, we are going to die. I just love how he delivers that.
1: It's the shot through the hole, isn't it, as well, and his face. Yeah. Die!
3: Yeah, so good, <laughs> so good. I love that. And the other bit is a little joke when Indy stops the minecart with his feet, which makes them burn. And then he's going, water, water, water. <laughs> yeah. And then the massive tidal wave comes around the corner. and <laughs> He has to run away. Yeah. It's <laughs> a simple simple gag, but it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, that was that was my favourite. I just think it was just classic.
0: That's like the bit in Star Wars when he runs down the corridor with the gun and then turns around when he sees yeah, all the Stormtroopers.
1: Yeah. He <laughs> does it in this film as well, doesn't he? He runs with his sword and then he goes... <gasps> Uh, and legs it back, and then it's
0: all... This has just reminded me of something mind-blowing that I forgot to tell you about. Oh. There's a video, and it's terrible quality, but you know the scene where they're whipping Indy?
2: Yeah.
0: Spielberg's a notorious prankster, so why they're whipping Indy? He filmed Barbara Streisand doing it in a full leather dominatrix <laughs> outfit, and <then> she's going... <laughs> This is for... And she's, like, naming films of his that she doesn't like and saying, this is for this film, and uh, this is for making so much money from Star Wars. And then Carrie Fisher runs in and bodyguards him, and he's like, who's that? And she gives him a kiss. It's fucking mental. And then Irving Kirshner comes in, and he's like, what are you all doing? Is this how you make movies? What? <laughs> it's the <a> craziest <laughs> fucking It's video. like a fucking bad trip. Yeah, the quality is absolutely <laughs> terrible, but you have to watch it. It's uh, it's quite something. I have to put that in the show notes. <laughs> wow. Know.
1: Brilliant, yeah, definitely get get the link for that. I'd be very <laughs> eager to watch that.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Shame the quality is so bad, but yeah, it's worth watching. Anyway, you got a favourite line, Adam?
1: Gaz nicked my favourite one, but it's oh. the water, 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 water. Ah. One, but uh, other than that, I just say, I hate the water. I hate being wet and I hate you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I love how her voice changes in that
1: bit. It's just, like, funny. Still made me laugh.
0: Ben, you got a favourite line?
2: Yes, my favourite line exchange was, uh, you're going to get killed chasing after your damned fortune and glory. Maybe, but not today. Smooch! <laughs> 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 Who doesn't like a classic line
1: followed up by a bit of necking? Whoa.
0: Oh, Yeah. My favourite line is just one word. And again, it might just be the delivery why I love it so much, but it's antidote. It's fucking great. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom sees the eponymous hero stumble into adventure after a botched trade with legitimate Chinese businessman Lao Shei, Lumbers him and his plucky child sidekick Short Round with spoilt scream Queen Willie Scott and the trio wash up in India several crash landings later. Welcomed and fed by impoverished local villagers, Indy is charged with recovering a stolen item sacred to the people which they believe will restore their village once returned. Spurred on by the promise of fortune and glory, but more importantly, by the shocking proof that the children of the village are being kidnapped and put to forced labour, Indy, Shorty and Willie agree to head to Pankot Palace, where they uncover hidden chambers leading to an underground evil cult and witness its leader, Mullah Ram performing psychic surgery and sacrificing men, while the children are hard at work excavating mines in search of the set of sankara stones, which were gifted to the world by shiva after being brainwashed into service indy is freed by short round and eventually puts an end to Mullaram's schemes by invoking the name of shiva causing the stones to burn with holy power molaram plummets to his death but what did we think of his diabolical scheme let's go first to lord manly supreme with his proprietary broccoli rating
2: i would just like to Start by saying this is not my rating of the film. This is the rating of the diabolical plot. This is a, a momentous occasion, Harold Pells and the panel of peril. I'm giving it one Florida Broccoli.
1: Oh, my goodness. Ooh.
2: That is definitely... Yes. It's the worst plan of all time. It's not even a plan. It even beat Harry Powell's It's <laughs> shocking. It's awful. Uh,
1: awful. Just goes to show if you've got plenty of... Uh, resources and people to help you out you can still fall flat on your ass
2: i can't talk much about it because i'm going to cover it in my plan later Mm. but holy crap there were so many other options with those resources
3: yeah it really was the thing for me is it's it's so indiscreet just stealing all of the children yeah i mean i guess kind of they they maybe think they haven't got the means to to recover them but it's still like it's like i say it's, it's just it's so indiscreet that you're going to get caught, aren't you?
1: It's going to raise flags. Yeah. I'd like to be at the um, planning meeting for that, you know, first pre-production sort of meeting. Like, right, mool Like, right, lads, there's not enough of us to dig these mines. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do? And like one of the chimps just sticks his hand up and goes, steal kids? Who are they going to get <laughs> Anybody else got a better idea?
2: <laughs> nope,
1: good. Get
2: out. Chill <laughs> that chimp's brains and serve them for tea yeah (laughs) that is (laughs) nutritious yeah
1: yeah. everybody will like that let's let's brand it now
0: (laughs) come on you're saying it's too indiscreet and they're going to get caught who are they going to get caught by because they've already recruited the local authorities into their cult that's half the point the fact that indie falls into their lap is a complete fluke
3: wherever there's that kind of abuse of power there's always going to be an uprising at some point isn't there
0: but all the people that are left in the village are like the elderly and the women folk all the men and children are already gone so how are they going to do it
3: It didn't necessarily come from just that village it would be a, a, a national
0: but it's so remote and isolated yeah
1: and they had they, they actually planned to steal the kids from the village mm. was quite good because they set a fire in the in the fields didn't they and then when they all fought, all the men went off to fight it they went ha ha and away with them. And that was it. So it was quite good.
0: I'm struggling to see how this could have been uncovered if Indy hadn't stumbled into it.
2: It's not the getting caught that's the issue. It's if you want to mine something, don't have the weakest forms of a fucking <laughs> of a species yeah. doing,
3: doing the work.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into my plan, but listen, it's nuts.
3: It's one floor of broccoli. big beefy boys have you. He's stacked.
2: <laughs> I agree uh, with your uh,
1: sentiments as well. And... It touches on sort of where I'm going to go with my plan as well,
2: really. Oh, SpaghettiOs.
0: This is the part of the show where the Panel of Peril compete for the title of this week's Most Diabolical. Up for grabs is two points for the winner, which will go towards the series leaderboard. As host this week, I'm at home advantage, so if my plan wins the vote, I only get one point. Mullaram sought the Divine Sankara Stones, hoping their power would give him and his evil goddess Kali dominion over all religions. In order to achieve the same, he enslaved the local people, including children, to toil in the mines beneath Pankot Palace, brainwashed palace officials into his thuggy cult, and conducted ritual sacrifices. Mullaram's diabolical plan failed, so... What would you have done differently, Adam?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that because I've prepared a plan. <laughs>
0: That's a stroke of luck. It's starting to get the gist of this, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> How it works, really? <laughs> yeah,
1: funnily enough, I thought, oh, do you know what? They probably need something at this point in the show. So
2: I thought, yeah, I might as well do it for shits and giggles. They keep asking me this question towards the end of the podcast and I'm so unprepared.
1: <laughs> I know, I just, uh, it's like, what? What's going on here? What? Uh. So, Moolaram has stolen a bunch of kids from villages to mine for the missing Shankara stones. Most of those kids don't look strong enough to break an egg, let alone rocks. Has Moolaram been at the sacred wine or had too much of the blood of Kali? He needs to be more savvy if he is to succeed. Fortunately, at the time, there was another powerful in- figure inspiring people over India. The year before the film is set, and an uninsuming influential figure Mahatma Gandhi announces he is withdrawing from active politics so he can focus on constructive programs. Little does the wider world know that several months earlier he approached by the mysterious shaman of Kali at Mularam. With an independence movement growing in size and pressure building against the rotten British empire, Mularam sees his opportunity and seeks to exploit the cause to attain ultimate power. However, As a committed pacifist and non-violent revolution, Gandhi knows that the faith of Kali requires ritual sacrifice and the murder and exploitation of the innocent. Mularam tells Gandhi that Kali has long been regarded as the mother of all living beings, protector of the innocent and also divine protector and the one who bestows moksha or liberation on those seeking it. Gandhi raises an eyebrow and pushes his round-rimmed specks up his nose. That's right, Gandhi. Liberation. Liberation, says Mullaram, as his eyes twinkle with enthusiasm and knowing that he has Gandhi on his hook. Mularan offers him a bed for the night and time to think about his, his and his goddess's offer. That night, as Gandhi sleeps, he is visited by Kali, who also has the power of time and shows him a vision of the future, Indian independence, the petition of India and Pakistan, which leads to the deaths of millions of Hindus and Muslims. Is this Gandhi's wish, his vision for the future? Kali promises him that he will, she will provide India its independence and prevent unnecessary bloodshed if he lends her his support and his followers. They need people in the mines to find the lost Shankara Stones in order to bring power and peace to a new Indian state. She touches Gandhi on his hand and he wakes with a start. He meets Mularam at the breakfast to tell him about his dream and how they can begin the process of informing his supporters and bringing those who wish to help to Mularam. Of course, not all Gandhi supporters believe this, that this is a just cause. So not all follow him in his endeavour, but those that wish to see a free India join him. Instead of a bunch of malnourished kids hitting massive rocks with toffee hammers, Moolaram now has the might of the Indian independence movement behind him, working at pace to overthrow the British Empire, to create a new Indian state, and most importantly, secretly bringing him and his
3: deity the dominion they desire. All right, thank you, Adam. We're going to
0: throw it open to questions.
3: So, what happens to Gandhi after the new Supreme Indian state is formed? Is he cast aside, or is he once Kali and Mullaram have
1: ultimate uh, and have ultimate power and have, have reunited the Shankara stones, so they can do whatever they like. So, either you can Gandhi can go along with it, or you know, if he doesn't want to, then they get rid of him
3: because
1: hmm. the goal is to get the ultimate power, isn't it? Yeah, yeah could make him drink true. the blood, could you?
2: yeah just drink uh, drink blood out of G- uh, Gandhi's head <laughs> the first way you going with it I, you know you, you mentioned the puny kids mm-hmm. and then you said it went to Gandhi I thought are you going to get Gandhi down the mine his arms are a similar size yeah. a it's not, he's, he's not going to be doing the work yeah, yeah. he's going to get other people to do it Man, for him yeah. isn't he <laughs> yeah then you explained it but at first I thought that's where you might have been going no. <laughs> just Gandhi on his own Chuck, chuck, dig, dig, chuck, chuck, dig, dig. <laughs> you've got nothing else to do, Gandhi. You've retired from politics. Now so get down that mine.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that you've looked into Carly uh, and yes. uh, legend, myth, and folklore around Carly. Let's say that I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say that for the purposes of your plan, Carly does exist within the mm-hmm. movie universe, which I mm-hmm. think is up in the air, but let's say Carly does exist.
1: Yep.
0: How does Mullaram get Carly? to visit gandhi in the night
1: well the same way he pulls a beating heart out of somebody's chest and then the guy's oh that's up. the same is it yeah well d- i don't think that, it is. yeah but you don't requ- you've you're not required an explanation for why that happens and then you don't well that's what i'm asking for yeah <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't but he, yeah but that's he doesn't that actually do that in the though. film he does he pulls that's a pulls thing a called psychic
0: surgery and it's a well-known thing that like voodoo priests and stuff do it's, a, it's an illusion. So they conceal, like, a ram's heart about their person.
1: When um, Indiana Jones, at the end, invokes the name of Shiva and, the, and the, all the, the mm. stones fall out and burn because they all get yeah. hot all of a sudden for no reason, even though they've been in yeah. the bag for a very long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the... That's why I'm saying I'll give you the benefit of the doubt yeah. and say that the god is real. Yeah. But what I'm asking you is, how does Kali control the god to, say, visit Gandhi in his sleep, and if he doesn't, that's not that's not your plan.
1: They're working together for the same. He's trying to please her.
0: Why doesn't he get Carly to visit everyone else in their sleep? Then he doesn't do it in the movie. It doesn't seem to be within his power to do it. Is what I'm saying. Part of the rules that we always had about this is whatever your plan is, it's got to be within the means of the villain. Yeah.
1: Well, it is because he's he's the he's a, a disciple of Carly, and then she's okay. trying to get him to do everything around that. So he's he. I'm just using a, a, like the way they can call upon the the rocks to go either mega hot or you can pull a heart from somebody's chest or whatever. It's Mm. in the same realm as like that. None of that required an explanation or anything like that.
3: Okay. My plan features
0: magical powers too.
1: There you go. Let's look forward to, uh, to that.
0: Okay. That concludes my series of questions then. Lord Manly Supreme, if you'd like to present your plan, please.
2: I'd like, if you'll indulge me, to deliver my plan in verse.
0: Uh, I'm gonna have to throw that open to everybody else. Are we I happy with this? because if we're not, <laughs> what was that? Um, Lord Manny Supreme is asking our permission to deliver his plan in verse. So Gaz is against. Are you uh, for or against? <laughs>
1: I'm gonna say I'm against just for shits and giggles.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm for. So it's tied. So I'll let you. I'll I'll indulge you.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be a sort of love letter to Def Jam.
1: Ugh. <laughs>
2: okay <laughs> infernal itch i'd be jonesing for godlike powers and some stones and sweet dominion over all religions jedi dudism holy pigeons
1: this is worse than a. <laughs> just two magical
2: be. stones i'd be seeking A mine's no place for no puny weakling tiny little kids with shitty little arms <laughs> leave them to tend <laughs> their dusty farms i need power plenty of muscle a big bad dude who's good in a tussle, a beast, a beefcake, a real fucking gusher, (laughs) like that blow keenly squished in that fucking rock crusher. (laughs) With him down my mind and those adult disciples, we'd find those two stones in less than a trifle, just to make sure I ain't no exaggerator. I'd also buy a steam-powered excavator. (laughs) I'd dig up the earth, I'd dig it up good, I'd dig it up like you know I should. In just a few days of searching the rubble, I'd have the two stones. Yeah, bitch, you see in double. <laughs> but what about Indy, shrewd mother's cry? I'd poison his soup, the one with the eyes. Short round be watching, weeping all glowerful, while I'm throwing shapes and flexing all powerful. The world would be mine, every street, every alley. And I'd claim it all in the name of the great Kali.
0: All right. Well, I what think know he's think...
3: got my vote.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> first impression, and it's funny that Gaz has said that because um, what I was going to say, my first impression is, what you've done is uh, you've confused the rest of us with Gaz <laughs> and like that time when he picked you because you you couched what was a pretty nothing empty plan into the song previously. I think you what you've done is the same here, realising that your plan's quite weak, you've made <laughs> a rat to yeah, blind us, it, all to it, it. us all, to dazzle us all. Your sizzling, <laughs> no steak is what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> your shirt and no trousers. Oh, you're so right. You've seen through me like a piece of fucking cling film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so part of your plan is just to use Pat Roach, which he's already got, and it doesn't doesn't yeah. help him. Steam powered excavator. Okay, I was I was thinking maybe there's something in that, but then poisoning the soup that Indy doesn't eat. I don't think is going to do anything to him because he eats fruit. I just make sure he eats it, but. um <laughs> <laughs> the real point of that
2: whole thing is instead of giving the disciples swords I'd give them picks there's shitloads of them running indie loads of them get them down the mine forget the kids mm. get those fellas pickaxes Yeah. tell them once we've got the stones then you can rest all you want then we've got sweet dominion Yeah. just for the first you know for these few weeks let's mine it let's mine together
0: is there any particular reason that you'd use a steam powered excavator is that because you thought 1930s they didn't have like a diesel excavator? I'm pretty sure they would have
2: Yeah. No, I think I, I did a bit of research and um steam powered seemed the most common at that time.
0: Mm, okay. Could power it from the lava or something. Oh yeah. Could modify it, but I didn't think of that. No, you were too busy trying to blind us with, with uh with verse. <laughs> okay, um easily swayed Gareth. Let's hear your plan.
3: <laughs> Snakes and ladders. The Game of Life. <laughs> Atmosphere. <laughs> Connect 4. Oh. Operation. Kerplunk. <laughs> Fortnite Season 2, Chapter 4 The Devourer of Worlds. <laughs> Mousetrap. <laughs> Monopoly. Hopscotch. <laughs> Ticket to Ride. <laughs> Kirby. What does this list have in common? They're all children's games of some description, aren't they? (laughs) It's obvious when you know the answer, and now you know the answer if you didn't previously know the answer. But the king of all kids' games for me is a little thing called Rock, Paper, Scissors. (laughs) You don't need no fancy dice, nor no fancy pewter top hats, doggies, Royal Royces, nor shoes to this one. No, sir. All you need are a single hand. You don't even need two hands, for Christ's sake. Just the one. Just one hand, can you imagine? In this game, you must play against a single opponent and count down to one before revealing your hand to be closed like a rock, open like a sheet of paper, or your forefinger and swear finger outstretched as scissors. (laughs) Rock beats scissors as it blunts them, scissor beats paper as it cuts them, and paper beats rock as it wraps around it. Easy peasy. And what's the baddie after in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, eh? Rocks! five of the bad sods therefore all he is required to do to find and collect said stones is enchant some paper with spooky powers and let the stationery do its uh you know <laughs> do its work isn't it follow the paper see what it wraps around and um just before i finish i'd just like to say that i will not be taking any questions <laughs> at this time thank you <laughs> You know what's good is that I didn't have any. <laughs> I was
1: like, what
3: the fuck is Ironically enough, it's a paper thin plan. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even try to dazzle us by wrapping it up
1: and, and decorating it. That was not even a turd rolled in glitter.
3: Well, I, I got hung up on this one thing. I was like, rocks, rock, paper, scissors. And I was like, right, I'm going to do that. And I was like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but I didn't have any other ideas. So I was like, well, i can't go with that. <laughs>
0: Uh. <laughs> could have um, ran with that idea and said that okay what can you put on paper propaganda how do you step that up you become like a a media mogul like Citizen Kane you could have spun it off into Molaram starting a whole empire like Rupert Murdoch style and paper beats rock mm. but he didn't no next week no <laughs> anyone else got any questions for Kaz before I do my plan? <laughs>
2: I will say this, the way it was going, I picked up my phone to get ready to write down Gaz's name in my vote list. Mm. But then as it went on, I was like, hold on a minute. And then it ended. <laughs> I, no.
1: Did you start typing ah and then just wait to, you had your, <laughs> had your finger hovering over the Z and then you went, moved it to the delete, delete. I <laughs> know
0: we haven't. I haven't established this, but I don't think it's really fair to uh, start the vote before everybody's had a chance to deliver their plan. <laughs> Seems like uh, some some mad bias to me. It was a joke, Greg. You,
1: you're familiar with comedy?
0: No, because uh, it was banned from Twitter <laughs> until two days <laughs> that's ago.
3: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Our Lord
0: and Savior Elon Musk has uh, saved us. Yeah, now that Elon's in charge. Elon's in charge of our days
2: <laughs> and our nights. Elon's in charge. <laughs> He's in charge of our wrongs and <laughs> our rights. He's in charge. Oh, man.
0: Right,
2: that's Craig, then, yeah. is it?
0: Yep. See what you got. Here we go. It's clear from the denouement of the film that the Sankara Stones were not the key to the power Molloran sought for his goddess Kali. Instead, burning with the holy power of Shiva and casting out the false prophet just as the holy power of the Ark of the Covenant would later do to the Nazis, who hubristically imagined themselves worthy of its secrets. Mulleram's biggest mistake, however, was keeping the thuggy cult underground, covert and isolated. If you want your religion to spread, you need to put yourself out there. I would take a leaf from the books of the more keen religions and cults, like the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and those smuggest of smug cunts, the Evangelical Atheists by getting himself in the good old-fashioned missionary position. (laughs) First, a door-to-door campaign, handing out vibrant pamphlets, showing the positive myths about Carly, such as her being the mother of all creation. Next, leave a Carly Bible in a drawer at every hotel room in the world. Then, hire a bus on which to advertise your superior thinking. Finally, write a book telling people who follow other faiths why they are stupid and wrong, and how the thing that you believe is right. It's important to preach this, because even though you find this truth to be self-evident and obvious, and are secure in your own superiority, you must sermonize to everyone else how you figured it out. It's crucial that you spread your message that following another doctrine is something only an idiot would do, and the best way to prove that is by getting other smart people to preach your own superior doctrine. Most of all, it's absolutely vital that you make money from those smart people. Call your book The Shiva Delusion, just as a fuck you to those backwards, backwards of villagers.
2: <laughs> that was an aggressive end.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Your plan is to enlist Richard Dawkins, pretty much. Well, not
0: specifically, <laughs> but it, it definitely is inspired by Richard Dawkins.
1: During that time as well, there's, there's, it's sort of like a time of uh, political and... and um, sort of financial instability and things like that. And it's the sort of the upward curve to to war. Mass travel still isn't a a thing yet, and it still takes weeks to cross continents and things like that. Mm. So I don't think putting Bibles for Cali uh, in hotel rooms would sort of uh, reap much reward. And have you seen buses in India, and particularly at the time? This is
0: just India. Yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, there's no time scale on this. Carly is, is an immortal goddess. This is just about getting out in the world, going on missions.
1: What time scale do you reckon then? So, say you enact this on whatever day in 1935.
0: Doesn't matter how what the time scale is forever. But it's, it's, I not mean, Carly, mi- it's not
2: Carly's mission, is it? It's not Carly's mission. It's the dude.
0: Within his lifetime, he can only do what he can. But ultimately, his aim is to give Carly dominion. So. If that has to continue beyond his life, so be it. But, mm. you know, the missions don't stop for other religions. Missionaries have been around. They were, they were around during the war. They were still going on missions. You know, that they didn't stop them from traveling and, and spreading their gospel. So I'm just suggesting that Mullaram can do the same and he can send out missionaries and they can recruit more missionaries. And it's kind of exponential. Once they start converting people, they go and travel elsewhere and so on and so on.
2: So what, what would your uh, what would your ploy be? Let's say you're going up to a door now. You're on a door.
0: Yeah, well, you do these pamphlets that show that Kali is... Talk me through as you as you just come to the door. I've opened the door. Uh, uh, hello? Yes, can I help you? <laughs> hello. <laughs> have you heard the good news? Kali, the mother of creation, is uh, returning to power all across the globe. She is? Oh, yes. Um, uh, marvellous oh, thuggy cults in India have uh, shown us how Carly is the the mother of all creation. And you've probably been lacking something in your life, purpose, meaning something to belong to. Well, I can give you something to belong to and it's the thuggy cult. And uh, I've got some literature with me. Could I come in? Please do. Into your heart. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm sold. It's good. Um, so how does this get the stones? He doesn't need them. What I said at the start, the Shankara stones are like a MacGuffin.
2: Yeah, I heard you say it. It sounded like a bit of directorial hand-waving. Yes. You said in the when
1: you put it on the group the other day is to get the Shankara stones. No, I didn't. Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> okay, so he doesn't need the stones. But I thought it was the stones that gave them the dominion.
0: No, he wants to have dominion over... All religion and the Sankara stones.
2: Mularan's
1: aim is to find all the is to find all the stones which he believes will give him dominion over all religions in the name of Kali and his method to get uh, is to get kidnapped locals to mine them. Yeah. So A, so we can think of different ways to get the stones or different ways to have dominion over religion, both valid. Ah,
2: uh, okay. There you go. All right. So you're not you're not bothered about the stones at all?
0: Well, they turn out to be, actually, they're, they're Shiva's stones, aren't they? And when Indy says, you betrayed Shiva, he realises in that moment that the stones were a MacGuffin he shouldn't have been seeking. And so I would agree with that. But coincidentally, there are better ways to spread your ideas anyway. Uh, and that's why he should have had missions. Okay.
1: There's no timeline to this plan, and there's absolutely no
3: guarantee that
0: not. Well, there's no guarantee of anything, is there? Death and bloody taxes, am I
3: right? Huh? Huh? The only things in life that are guaranteed.
0: <laughs> uh, the only thing that's constant <laughs> is bloody change, lads. <laughs> Telling me. And soup. I feel like I get uh, an unfair wave of scrutiny versus everybody else every week. It's always pile on, pile on. Don't I'd don't let see it go. I'm trying to do a pen. Any, mustache, any answer I've got. I
3: don't know what you're having to go at me for. It doesn't work with the real mustache. It just pushes it straight off.
2: So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Real mustaches and pen mustaches do
3: not mix. Yeah, like oil and water. <laughs>
0: Some truly diabolical schemes there, but there can only be one winner. It's time to cast your votes. And please remember, you may not vote for yourself. Shame that. <laughs> Despite his clear bias against me, I have voted for Adam yet again.
2: Yeah, I vote for Craig. I thought it was a uh, quite a good idea. I voted Lord Manly Supreme. Ah, you, you were right, Gaz. You had the right answer.
1: I couldn't, in good faith, vote for either of you two, so I had
0: to vote for Craig by default. Two votes for Craig and one for Lord Manly Supreme. Craig takes it. You won by default. i got to say, <laughs> I appreciate that. Winning by default is the best way, in my opinion. <laughs> two, Your two favourite words. Two best words. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> default,
0: default. Okay, let's throw to the broad with the scores. It's Gaz. How's this school board looking, Gaz?
3: In the lead with three points is Craig. Joint second place with a point apiece is myself, Gaz, and Adam. And bring it up the rear as per is Lord Manly Supreme with Zilt show points. <laughs> there's effects, there's... You three
2: must be having your own little chat group. No, it's just your me. plans
1: have been shit. Ah, how dare you?
2: How dare you? I incorporate Pat Roach into my plan. What have you ever done? My name's Manny Supreme, I'm here to say I have got the shit plans in the USA. <laughs> uh well, there's still time. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, you better hurry up though. We'll see when all this is said and done. Yeah, we'll see, won't we?
3: We'll see. Straight to hell. <laughs>
0: And, Gaz, uh, what movie will we be watching next week?
3: Well, we're going to be watching another film about mining next week, but it's a wacky, made-up mineral called Unobtainium, as we're going to watch James Cameron's
0: Avatar.
1: Oh! Mm. Oh.
0: Okay, Mm. okay. Mm. I was meaning to give it a go with the uh, sequel on the way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Lots of intrigued noises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basing mine on the skexies.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat>
1: mm. mm. Like
2: the soft meats.
1: <laughs> essence, Janie's
3: essence.
0: And that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you for listening, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. Do you need me to tell you what it is? I don't think so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod. Next week, Gaz will be hosting, and we will be watching and dissecting James Cameron's avatar. So, until next time, fortune and glory, kids. Fortune and glory.
1: Just
0: going to have to go for a wee. Two sex. Let's talk about him now. He doesn't do any of the edits, so he'll never find out.
2: Got nothing to say about him. He's dull as dishwater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Could there be anything worse than having nothing to say? <laughs> Obviously, the effects are terrible and they're too cutesy and stuff, but, yeah, it's got a lot of good stuff in it.
3: Kate Blanchett's all right in it, isn't she?
0: I, I don't know. She's kind of weird. Like... Uh, mm.
3: Your death's not gruesome enough either.
0: Yeah, that's true.
3: It's not pat roachy enough for you. Yeah.
2: What's the matter? It's not pat roach enough for you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want my roachy back, roachy back, roachy back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Gaz is clearly excited.
1: <laughs> he didn't. He didn't <laughs> do his usual. Uh oh! <laughs> I think it's coffee related. Uh, oh, I don't know. He was. He was. He was taking his things off. So I think he heard somebody calling him or something. I think. Oh, here he
0: is. Well, yeah. Well, Maybe the scream came from his house.
2: All laughed out. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I wouldn't have liked to
2: miss that on that. That
1: would have been yeah. really...
0: Oh, dumb. God. I guess uh, are we going to be yeah. able to oh, get away with that? Be that, that? Are one, we right? going to get away with that? I think we'll have to uh, cut uh, that out. I, don't I don't know. It, oh, God. No,
2: no one will ever hear it, but it was yeah. the best joke of all yeah, time. Yeah, very good. I
3: was telling Dylan to shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> 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 Let's throw to the broad with the scores. It's Gaz. Okay, well, <laughs> do a little drum roll, Gaz. Is
3: that any good? Shit. <laughs> Streaking into the lead with three points is Craig. Joint second place with a point apiece is myself, Gaz, and Adam. And bringing up the rear, as per, is Lord Manly Supreme with, z- <laughs> with zero points. <laughs> <laughs> Excellently timed. So
0: <laughs> Can you read that? Can you read that again? Sorry, I got a drum. Roll. Yeah. I like how you decided that only your score deserves a drum roll. It
2: was taking ages to load. It was supposed to come in at the start. <laughs> <laughs>